And welcome back, people, to the number one podcast in the sport where the boxers can use drugs, but the people controlling the sport can't sell them. As strange as it sounds, but this is the case. Um, I don't think it's right that I talk about everything else in boxing, not talk about what's pressing. I don't think it's right that, you know, as people who talk about the sport, we should be frightened into anything. And with that, I should have a, a comment or two about the Kinahan situation. Here's what I will say. I'm not going to go whole, the whole hog like some people are and go into some kind of takedown piece. Number one, I don't believe the evidence exists. If nothing else, you have to give this Kinahan lot credit for running a pretty damn tight ship because it doesn't seem much actually leaks out. So all we can do is talk about what we can verify. And I don't say that for any other reason than at least I can stand behind what I say if someone asked me to, to be a man and say it to their face. So by now everyone's aware that the United States have weighed in on the whole Daniel Kinahan situation. What they've essentially done is they've placed him on the OFAC list. Um, and if I remember what OFAC stands for, it's Office for Foreign Assets Control. And... It's a list that the American government holds, or the U.S. Treasury holds, on people that essentially it doesn't want engaging in the United States economy. But it, the OFAC list stretches wider than that. So let's let me let me give you an example. Let's say you want to pay two hundred grand for anything, my house or car, and as part of that, you send a hundred grand over to your lawyer to hold. That bank-to-bank -bank transaction will be flagged at both ends for OFAC. They'll check that the payer is OFAC compliant and the payee is OFAC compliant. If you flag up as OFAC, payment won't go through. If you flag up as OFAC, you, I don't think you can open a bank account here. You might be able to open a bank account, but it might be one of those basic bank accounts. There are a lot of things you can't do. You won't have a credit card here if you have OFAC. If you come up as OFAC on your mobile phone contract, there'll be questions to answer. All of these things become important because that you don't want to get caught slipping on an OFAC because the Americans can grab you for any assets that you have in the United States or anything you have passing through there. And you saw that with some of these banks where they got punished for facilitating terrorist financing, even though it was in places like Iran and Mexico. But they got hammered with the fines. Why? Because they had assets in America that OFAC could freeze, could seize, could do whatever they wanted. So you had to pay the fine. So what you should take from that is you really have to be somebody to be on OFAC. You have to be, you have to like, OFAC's got, if you look at like, OFAC's essentially the, the rogues gallery hall of fame, right? There's a boxing hall of fame. This is the equivalent for criminals. You had guys on there like Escobar, um, El Chapo would have been on there Gaddafi would have been on there At some point Saddam would have been on there Bin Laden would have been on there You know, And you've got Daniel Kinahan on that list And that's important for a number of reasons Because you don't just get on that list right? You do not just get on that list You get on that list If you're moving large amounts of assets And they will know what's being moved More or less Because they can track a lot of transactions so they will know what's happening without being able to prove it. They'll have knowledge. So the fact that they put Daniel Kinahan and his family on OFAC, along with his associates, indicates this is a big organization. 
Because there are loads of other people that don't make it onto OFAC. Because they don't represent the size or the strategic impact required for a government to act. And this is all stuff that's verifiable, so I can say, I'd happily say this to anybody. When you get on OFAC, you've kind of made it in a perverse sort of way. You've really made it. It just means that it's hard for you to access financial services and stuff like that as an individual. Or in fact, or any of the companies that you're connected with, because this is what also happens. Company to company business, especially payments, they look at all the offices of that company. If there's anyone on OFAC, the payments don't go through. And this was mainly done to prevent terrorist financing and that sort of stuff. But they realized they had equal value in managing the, the narcotics business. So, yeah, in summary, they're saying the, the Kinahan Organized Crime Organization is a big, big deal. So when you see unity between the United States, Ireland, Britain and the European Union, you know something big is under discussion and you know that this is something that's being driven at the government level. So this is something that the Taoiseach, the if I said it properly, he's had to drive this with his UK counterparts, with his US counterparts and his EU counterparts to say something needs to be done. This is happening at that kind of level that if you're a criminal, you don't want to be at this level because this is a level where they can smoke you. You know what I mean? This is a level where you can get added to a kill list. You know, you, you never want to antagonize national governments if you're doing things that are illegal. And like... The police, yeah, you get away with that. But once it's states, they can't be seen to lose. So, so what you're looking at now is a chess game. And it goes like this. We're going to exclude these guys, the Kinahans and their associates, from doing business in all the markets that are most lucrative. And for as long as they want to hide in the, in the United Arab Emirates and hide in Dubai, fine. But now we're putting pressure on Dubai to say, if we're not going to do business with these guys, do you want to be giving them safe harbor? Knowing how much business you do with us and knowing how important our economies are to the growth of your economy. So now this brings us to boxing. And, and I think what we've seen in boxing definitely over the last five to seven years is that growing influence of MTK and, and you know and people say that MTK is nothing to do with Kinahan he doesn't own it There's a, let, let's let's call a spade a spade he has an outsized influence over MTK and he has an outsized influence over Probellum otherwise why would you change the names why would you move from one to the other it doesn't make any sense otherwise now Let's call, let's call out what's, what we all know is true. If you turned off all of that MTK money, you know, all of that Dubai money, if you turn that off today, boxing as we know it's done. I think 50 to 60% of boxers would retire immediately. There's nothing for them. That MTK money keeps afloat a business that has not been sustainable for a long time. Boxing is not a sustainable industry. It is not an industry where you can expect more than 15 to 20% of people to make a living from it. Like, I don't even think you can make a living from boxing as a British champion. And what I mean by make a living is be an independent entity, live in your own house, do this, do that. You can't do any of that. The money is not enough. 
And so what's happened for the last five to seven years is MTK have come in and they've put revenue into a section of the boxing market that was dead. And it benefited a lot of boxers, it's benefited a lot of people. What we could also suspect is they put money elsewhere. If you judge the silence of people in boxing right now, people who are normally vocal about things in boxing, people who are normally at the forefront, people who normally have a, something to say, and they've all gone quiet, and that tells you some of these gyms are being paid for with MTK money. Some of these fighters are being sponsored by MTK. Some of these trainers are being sponsored. Some people have performance centers. Some people have business interests. And you have to give it to those guys because one of the most important things that I've learned in my career is this. Make yourself so important, so structurally important to your industry that you cannot be moved or removed. And I'm going to give you a good example. The retail banks in the United Kingdom can do what the hell they want. As long as it's within the regulations, they can do what the hell they want. Why? Because they will never be allowed to fail. Too big, too important, too entrenched in the way we actually exist as British citizens for them to ever die. And if banks were to disappear tomorrow, we would be in the Stone Age. And that's what MTK have done. It was a smart, smart strategy. Get yourself everywhere in boxing. Get people thirsty for your money. And then you have control. You have control without having to be the main man. I always think the mistake that was made on the part of Mr. Kinahan is this. He didn't need to be seen. I've seen more pictures of Daniel Kinahan than I have of Al Heyman. And from what I understand, Al Heyman is a law-abiding citizen. There's a lesson in that. Sometimes you want to be invisible. And I think had he been less visible, it would have been easier on him. I think sometimes when you're too visible, you almost, you mean you're thumbing your nose at the authorities and they're never going to take kindly to that. But my point is this, there's too much MTK money. And I, when I say MTK, you know what I mean. It's Probellum, all of that. There's too much of that money coming from Dubai into British boxing and to an extent world boxing now that if you took that away, the, the industry would collapse majorly. So I ask you as fans, all the people who've been tweeting, all the people who've been expressing anger, what is it you're angry about? Because if you're angry that a drug dealer is involved in boxing, he's not the only one. Are you going to go up to the Northwest and tell some of those guys there, you know, the convicted criminals, the drug dealers, the, the gangland enforcers who are all involved in boxing, are you going to go and tell them you need to get out of the sport? And if you're not, why not? Because if someone says to me, look, no one who sells drugs or is suspected of selling drugs or has been convicted of selling drugs should ever be allowed in boxing, you've got my vote. But it's got to apply to everyone. I'm not going to single out Daniel Kinahan for selling drugs and being involved in boxing when there are so many others who do it. Where there are boxers who sell drugs to be in boxing. Where are you drawing the line? Like, what's the fit and proper test here? And, okay, there's a response that comes with, ah, oh, look at the havoc he's wreaking in Dublin and in Ireland in general. I'm not there. Sorry. 
we have our own smack problem in the United Kingdom. I grew up in the middle of a smack problem. Uh, that's never been solved here. So I'm worried about here first and everywhere else afterwards. And that's just me being real. I'm not Irish. I'm sensitive and sympathetic to the pain that people are feeling in Ireland. But their pain can never be my pain because I am not there. So for me, my question is, what's the principle here? If it's no drug dealers involved in boxing, cool. Let's get rid of all of them. Let's name them. Let's shame them, including the boxers and the managers and the trainers who are all involved in this. And while we're doing it, let's get rid of the grasses. Yeah, the guys who are telling on people. Let's get rid of all of those people. Let's, let's actually have a sport that's clean and that's full of people with good reputations. I would actually say, if you have a criminal conviction, you shouldn't be allowed in boxing. No exceptions, but no sort of stories, no nothing. Get rid of everyone. That's my first thing. So the second thing then becomes, you know, if, 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 it's, if, it's, if it's more than he's just a drug dealer, what is it? Is it that he's a gangster? Then get rid of the gangsters too. Get rid of the armed robbers and all those people who've grafted and grifted and made a living in boxing off of crime. Get rid of them. I don't care if they've converted to Jesus. Get rid of all of them. Everyone with a criminal conviction, get them out and let's reboot the sport. Let's run it like a proper sport. But people aren't making that noise. So I'm, so I'm left wondering, why are we just targeting one man? And it has to be that we dislike a lot of the people associated with him. And in that sense, he's chosen his associates badly. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Sam Jones, so watching him squirm under pressure has been fantastic. No, Billy Joe's gone missing. You know, I'm sympathetic to Coogan, but you know, Coogan's one of the people who had his mouth wide open at the tap of the MTK money. If you look on Company's house, there's no way he can live the lifestyle he does on the accounts that he's reporting back. These are just facts. So when's he going to come out and explain his relationship? None of them are ever going to come out and explain their relationships. Why? Because they don't respect you enough as fans. So this is why I look at you and I say, Kinahan's the least of your worries. And I'm going to tell you why Daniel Kinahan is the least of your worries. If a CIA snatch squad captured Daniel Kinahan and locked him up now, the drug trade will carry on in Ireland, the drug trade will carry on here, the drug trade will carry on in Spain, the criminality will carry on in Dubai. It wouldn't stop. Yeah, it wouldn't stop. Same story, different cast of characters. So, he's not the solution. Here's the real problem. Boxing is a whore for money. Anyone who has money, you could take Daniel Kinahan out now, and you could bring Jeff Bezos in. The same people would be hula hooping, bowing and scraping, um, unzipping Jeff Bezos literally as he took his seat. Because boxing doesn't make enough money. Without MTK, there is no Irish boxing. There's no John O'Carroll. John O'Carroll's not good enough to do anything. You know, Irish boxing's never been a successful industry. Yeah, they do well in the amateurs, but professionally, it's not a sport they seem to want to back. And it's a small population, so there's only so much you can do. So it'd be the end of Irish boxing, if you got rid of him. And who would replace that? No one, because it's not viable. It's not a good business, it would die.
So if there's no kinahin, what is there? Is there another person with money that's got a similar agenda? Then they'll, they'll crash and burn as well. The, the rot in boxing is so deep set. These were things we talked about before we knew about Mr. Kinahan. Think about this rationally, right? Sky Sports let Matthew Macklin commentate. Matthew Macklin has admitted he set the gym up with Daniel Kinahan. And they set the gym up after the United States were making noises about Daniel Kinahan in 2009. And no one has ever said to Matthew Macklin, what's going on here? What do you actually know? Because you've said he's one of your closest friends. What do you know, Matthew Macklin? No one has gone up to Jamie Moore and said, Jamie, what were you doing staying in Daniel Kinahan's house when you got shot? Why were you in that house? And how did you get all this gym and Oliver Harrison's fire? How did you get all of this when you weren't known as a trainer? I look at all of this stuff. You know, they entrenched themselves so deep everywhere when it came to boxing. And it was smart, even in the amateur scene, you had the MTK Box Cup. I don't remember England boxing going, uh, I don't know if this is a good idea, because everyone wanted the money. It was money they couldn't get from elsewhere, and everybody wanted that money. And now all of a sudden, what do you do? You just turn that off? There's no MTK Performance Center. There's no Ben Davison without MTK. There's no Lee Eaton without MTK. What does Lee do? Go back to organizing EBA shows? There's no Coogan. And now Coogan can quite rightly say, look, I was here before anything to do with MTK. Yeah, cool, you were. You know, back in the MGM days and even before that. But if they pull the money now, unless Eddie's still bunging you five to seven hundred quid a week, what are you going to do? And once again, look, this is the, the disease in boxing. As soon as they see someone with money, they will fall over themselves. And if you have money and you're a gangster and I could look like a tough guy being in a picture with you, oh my God. Wow. That's like the, that's like the holy double, man. Like, wow. You're a gangster and you have money. Do you like boxing? Oh, you like boxing. <laughs> And that's all you've ever seen, right? All these people with the pictures all the time. Good to see my good friend, Daniel. All this stuff. And I keep saying this, Daniel Kinahan's not the guy that I feel sorry for. Well, no, I don't feel sorry for him, but I also, I understand his position. And it comes down to this notion of, you always want to find a desperate seller. Whatever you do a deal, always find the desperate seller because you can always get the price down to where you want it to be, right? And Mr. Kinahan saw boxing and he said, wow, these guys are hungry for money and attention and clout and fame. Oh my God, this is easy. And they just threw themselves and said, mate, whatever you want, take it. And he did. And the reason why I'm not gonna condemn him for that is anyone with money would have had the same treatment. Anybody, Bezos. Elon Musk. If Elon Musk came into boxing, the same people would just repackage up what they did for Mr. Kinahan and they just do it for these guys. That's why these guys like Sam Jones are a disgrace. All of these people that have been mooching off this are a disgrace. But I don't see anyone on Twitter calling these guys out. 
I'd leave Daniel because Daniel's got far bigger problems than boxing to deal with. When we talk about drugs and gang crime and stuff, that's a societal problem. That's for him, his conscience and the Irish people to deal with. Us lot here in Blighty or wherever the, the thousands of people listening to this are, we care about boxing. And he's been good for boxing. That doesn't make him a good person. It's just factually he's been good for boxing. Now, all of you guys who seem to have an issue with all of this, who are all on Twitter, all up in the business, all of you guys, I've got a question for you. Who are you calling out? Are you saying to Matthew Macklin, where's your statement? Are you saying to the British Board of Control, where's your statement? Are you saying to England Boxing, where's your statement? Are you saying to Billy Joe Saunders, where's your statement now? Billy, are you prepared to go against the United States Treasury? All of this stuff. Who's asking these questions online? Nobody. Because you're all happy to just stick it to Daniel Kinahan when all he did was find the desperate sellers and go, hmm, okay, I found a new, new way to hustle. Because here's the deeper question. Who let him in? Yeah, who let him in? Now, Here's where it does get contentious because it's not something I'd want to highlight evidence of on a podcast because, quite frankly, I'm not even paid for this shit. But a lot of people in boxing who are associated with drugs have a business relationship with Irish criminal organizations that supply drugs. That's how they have money to afford their gyms. That's how they have money to do nothing but train fighters because they have a side business that involves narcotics and they have to deal with the people we're talking about today. Do you see how dirty this is now? So people in boxing are taking the money through the expected channels and also the outside channels. This is why nobody talks. A lot of Drugs in boxing are supplied by one source. So the misery in this country and the misery in other countries isn't just connected to Mr. Kinahan. A lot of people in boxing are also involved in this. And I don't hear anyone calling them out. I'm not going to call them out because, quite frankly, they've never wronged me. But I'm just saying to you guys, if you want to be balanced, this is what you should be looking for. Where, where do the tentacles go in boxing? How far do they go? Everyone's now separating themselves. You know, Bob Arum's like, nah, I'm not really cool with Mr. Kinahan anymore. Right. You know, Tyson Fury's like, I don't have a relationship with him anymore. Right. Because it's that easy to get out of a relationship with a guy who is supposedly as scary as people keep telling us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A guy who's put a lot of money into you is just like, yeah, yeah, don't worry about that money. I don't think so. You, you don't end up on an OFAC list if you're that much of a walkover. Yeah? So, yeah. So, if, if the Kinahan Organized Crime Organization, whatever they call that, if they were to ever collapse, a lot of people in boxing would have to leave because their business would be finished. Forget boxing, their business would be finished. These are the same guys who are still nervous about EncroChat. 
all those guys in boxes that had the encrypted phones are still sweating because they're like, they're going to come for me at some point. So when you look at it from a boxing perspective, yeah, it, this is an absolute mess and it shows how poor the governance has been. That we can't even explain how deep this goes. Because everything's just been allowed to happen so long as you bring money in. And, and as I keep saying, MTK aren't the only ones. Do you really think all those shows in Sinaloa, Mexico make money? Do you really think all those shows in Bogota and Medellin make money? Do you really think all those shows in Italy make money? They don't. But what happened very quickly is people realized, if I throw a million dollars into this event, I could probably pull out 750 to 800K. That's okay. That's a 25% transaction fee. Fine, I'll take that. Because that's what people don't understand. In the business world, if I can make 100 mil, I'll make 100 mil. I'll try and make 105 mil. In the criminal world, if I can make 100 mil, I'm going to take 70 to 80 and spread the rest out because I need a quiet life and I need loyalty. Boxing allows you to do that because they don't ask any questions. So before you criticize Daniel Kinahan in a boxing context, and I repeat, you have to separate the problems in boxing from the problems in Ireland because the Ireland problems are for the Irish to resolve and you know, they've got their, their guys on the ground doing that. The problems in boxing that involve the Kinahans, we can discuss by all means, but they seem to go so deep that people would rather this all just went away because then it means you don't have to keep your house in order. That's the sad part about all of this. The sad part about all of this isn't that an Irish suspected gangster in Dubai is pumping money into boxing. It's that boxing so willingly accepted all of this and they lived off it and there were so many egos and so much nonsense around all of this. All because you could make money on the inside and on the outside with these guys. And people were making money on both sides. That's the sad part about all of this. Our sport is so rotten that someone can come in and do all of this. And there's no accountability. No one who received the money has been asked any uncomfortable questions. They've just been allowed to run away. Why is Sam Jones allowed to just disappear? Why are all these people allowed to just disappear? After they were banging the drum. Like, where's Jay Spades in all of this? Bring Jay Spades out to say something. Let's get Jay Spades on OFAC. What an absolute mess. All I can say is... It looks like they're going to try and get that organization to crack. Find someone on the inside that turns and reveals everything. And then once they wrap it up, and at some point they will, because that's how it always ends. There'll just be another person with money in boxing. And the same cast of characters will come out, and there'll be the little beauty parade, and they'll all walk around like a Bangkok. I mean, you know, you know what happens in Bangkok. It'll be like that, and they'll just pick and choose who they want. And that's the sad part about all of this. You may change the, the face at the top of this. You'll never change the structure. Boxing relies too much on it. God, well, I've got to be in my bonnet. Just run through a few things. I see Eddie Hearn's done a couple of interviews this week with IFL. Um, as always, shout out to Uma for doing a better job at grilling Eddie than Coogan does. But I guess Coogan's getting old now and a bit, a bit soft is how I describe it. 
But I don't understand how on earth Eddie Hearn believes Amanda Serrano versus Casey Taylor is bigger than Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall. But I could talk about the records, but here's my real issue with the whole Serrano story, right? Uh, when was it? Back in the mid-2000s, there was a steroid investigation. Or, well, it was an investigation into the dealing of steroids in New York. And it was wider than just boxing. It was bodybuilding. Just whoever was making and selling steroids. And so what they normally do in those situations, once they've got all the names, they round everybody up. Now, we all know that Cindy Serrano was charged and her husband, I think it's Jorge Maldonado as well, as effectively the ringleaders and the main dealers. But what people don't talk about is that Amanda Serrano was also arrested. Amanda Serrano was also charged with being part of this conspiracy. But her case never went to trial. Now, here's the issue. When you charge someone, you charge them on the basis that there's a realistic chance of conviction and that it's in the public interest. When you don't make it to court, yeah, and the charges don't get dropped, that means you cop the plea. And you probably only cop a plea if you can implicate other people. So in my eyes, I suspect that Amanda Serrano is not only a steroid user, because her sister was, and this would have been around the time she was entering the Golden Gloves, so it seems plausible. Not only do I believe that she was a steroid user, but that she's also a grass. So I'm already not a fan of hers. And then when I look at her record, it's all, it's all setups. All setups to build up this, this notion of an unstoppable force with the aim of cashing out against someone like a Katie Taylor. So no, this isn't the biggest women's fight of all time as far as I'm concerned, just on a factual basis. It's not. Katie Taylor's not the most dominant female boxer of all time either. Like, she has questionable wins to her record. She's not that great. Let's be absolutely clear about this. We have in Clarissa Shields, a two-time Olympic champion, someone who has never looked in trouble in her fights. I mean, she's never looked in danger of losing a single fight in her professional career. Savannah Marshall never looked in danger of losing a single fight in her professional career. These are the two most dominant female fighters right now, without question, without debate. They're going to come together in the United Kingdom, a country where both have been built up the right way. And, you know, Eddie had years to have made this happen and he failed to do so. Both been built up the right way. And if they pick the right venue and they put the right undercard on, you know what the British fans will do. They'll make it an event. And you know what will happen on the very first Monday after that? He'll go, yeah, it wasn't as great as Taylor Serrano. But here's the reality about Taylor Serrano. Who's going to watch it in the UK? It's going to be on at stupid o'clock. No one's staying up for that. So what we have here is a New Yorker, an alleged steroid conspirator user, whatever you want to call her, and someone with a questionable record. No wins that anyone in the United States would recognize. Against Katie Taylor, who's, who's never been built in the United States. Never. Never really tapped into that Irish thing, the St. Patrick's thing never really happened the way they wanted it to. An all-round disaster as your main event. Right? Then you've got Liam Smith, who's really famous in America for getting splattered by Canelo, against Jesse Vargas, who people have forgotten all about. 
Right, that's your that's your chief support. Then you've got Ammo Williams, lovely guy, but you know, I mean, Eddie Hearn threw him to the dogs until he realized <laughs> he might need him again. Uh, you got Reshat, Matty, great, whatever. It's it's basically just a mediocre card. And he's trying trying to tell you that that sold out Madison Square Garden 19,000. He's lying to you. You know, he just says stuff for the sake of it. So no, that's not the biggest fight. Shields versus Marshall is. It has real meaning and it will define someone's legacy in a way that Taylor Serrano can never do. What's the other nonsense that he was saying? He was moaning about Frank Warren. And the thing I found really interesting was he was talking about all the undercards he's made on pay-per-views. And when we used to question him about why the pay-per-view undercards are so crap, do you remember the answer he'd give you? I don't control the undercard. The fighters control the undercard because they control the budget. Right? And he'd do that really smug smile afterwards. And now, when he needs to take credit and put Frank I mean, on, the back, on the back foot, what does he say? Yeah, yeah, I did all of this. I put these cards together. It was magic. It was all me. It's embarrassing. He, it's not a good look. The fact that he's so vocal about what's happening in Fury versus White, it's, it's sour grapes, isn't it? You know, they, they've outsold him. He never thought it would do those sorts of numbers. Um, it's looking on track to do, what, 600,000 pay-per-views? Ah, oh, God, what's that? Uh, maybe 15 million on top so they might get close to breaking even on the fight and you know as we talked about earlier in the show sometimes you don't even need to break even for it to be a profitable endeavor so i wish eddie would just tip his half and say well done frank nothing else just well done frank you've outsold me now it's my turn to get a hundred thousand in wembley and we keep it moving but Eddie just sounds like a guy who's not interested in anything. Like, you, you know, he's still hammering the Conor Ben thing. Uh, talking about Conor Ben's one of the best welterweights in the world. And as one of the best welterweights in the world, he should fight Kel Brook. You're like, oh, come on. Why should he fight a 34-year-old? Conor Ben's on the zone. Virgil Ortiz is on the zone. The only conversation that should be happening right now is Ben versus Ortiz. That's it. Stop trying to find other ways and talk about other people who you don't control. And then we heard the nonsense about Chisora being a big fight. Against who? All the big names are tied up. And this is why I generally don't listen to Eddie Hearn interviews, because they're not based in reality. But as long as people make money and Eddie Hearn signs checks, they'll hula hoop and prostrate themselves in front of Eddie and allow him to say what the hell he wants. And like I said, that's why boxing's in this really dark place because none of it's serious and none of it's real. None of it. And I think a lot of people, generally speaking, are quite bored now. And I, I'm getting bored. I guess that's why I probably won't watch the card this weekend. I'll see what happens on Twitter, but I have no interest in the card. I have very little interest in anything to do with boxing at the moment. Apart from young Leo Atang, who I'm like, I want to see what this kid does. Because... Yeah, I've talked a lot about him in the last couple of weeks, but I went back and watched some of the, the junior ABA stuff. And sometimes you look at a kid, you go, God, imagine, imagine if I could train a kid like that, have a field day. And we need more of that. That's really where boxing needs to be focusing right now. How do we build a pipeline of young killers that we can all build on, that we can train to within an inch of their life and we know that they're robust enough to take it? Like the old days, man. That's, that's what I'm missing right now when it comes to boxing. I'm not missing Eddie telling me how Canelo versus Bivol's the greatest fight of all time. Ben versus Van Heerden is. Van Heerden hasn't been the same since 
he got slapped about by Conor McGregor. So, yeah, I mean, you, you can forget you can forget about that, to be honest with you. And then I'm trying to think what else has been happening in the world of boxing. Um, Joshua Usyk in July. Are, are they just going to tell us that Joshua's fasting or not? Yeah, Joshua can't fight in June because he's fasting and he needs about eight weeks to, to get back into full training. And he's probably right. You know, you can train at night by all means. I understand that. But what you can't really do when you're fasting is a sparring. It's not safe because you don't know where your hydration levels are. So it's probably not the safest thing to do. But if he is fasting, good, man, it's hard. I can tell you from experience, it's damn hard. But, you know, stop hiding who you really are, man. Don't, don't be scared that, you know, the British fans will abandon you because of your faith. You know, Muhammad Ali had the balls to stand up for himself. I wish, I wish Joshua would. Yeah, man, I don't even know how long this has been going, but I just wanted to, really, I did this because I wanted to have a, a bit of a say on the Kinnan thing because I saw it building up a bit of steam. God, I just realized I should talk about Spence Ugas. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there was a surprise in this fight. I don't think Pacquiao was as washed up as people said he was after the Ugas result. And what Ugas showed is the Southpaw thing ain't going to bother him. Now, my question is, can you really be a better boxer after a serious car crash than you were before? My answer to that is no. And if Ugas can, it's starting to put doubts in Mr. Spencer's mind. Maybe he can get the decision. My instincts tell me Ugas probably wins this, but I don't say that with a lot of confidence. But on that subject, what a card. I'm not going to delve too deep into it. It's, it's the kind of card that you would never get in the United Kingdom, but we probably don't have that many quality fighters to deliver that. But that should be a good fight. Will I watch it? I'll wake up the next day and watch it. No, nothing's that important over Easter that I need to stay up late to watch anything. So I won't be doing that. You know, yeah. Feel free to take my hardcore stripes off me. Um, in terms of other things, shouts out to Beck Connolly. Had a good fight with Nina Hughes. Um... Yeah, hard to watch Beck, man. I think, you know, if Beck was 10 years younger and if you put her with a trainer like an Eddie Lamb or a Joe Gallagher, I feel she would have had a, an amazing career. She has a heart of a lion. I think she just needed directing the right way. But she's enjoyed herself and it's allowed her to build a profile for herself that will enable her to do other things beyond just boxing. So massive respect to her. It's been absolute joy watching it still is actually i think she's still got a few laps to run in the game and also shout out to nina smith no one makes an essex accent sound so cool i've got a lot of time for nina have done since the amateurs i just love her her enthusiasm her joie de vivre and her, her love for life so you know she's doing amazing things would like to see her moved along quickly she doesn't need to be you know circling around waiting you know she could fight shannon courtney next and i think she beats shannon courtney so let's let's see what she can do and let's see who 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 wants the fight and let's see who runs away from that fight but massive shout out to her uh, in terms of other things that have been happening no idea um i just want joshua Usyk to be announced and i also just want to enjoy the rest of my easter now so at this point i want to say thanks for tuning in guys uh, probably won't be a monday mass just because ah, i need some time some time to myself will be nice but I'll be back soon and I'm starting to plan that run up to 100 and beyond. So you know, it will only get better from here. I promise you. Take care, guys. Bye. So as I've recorded this, I left it to, to kind of stew for a bit.
because I didn't want to edit it too soon and I was knackered and all that sort of stuff that kind of affects you on a Friday night. And in the downtime, I, I actually managed to watch the Conor Ben interview after his weigh-in. And when you tie that in with what Eddie Hearn's been talking about, I almost don't want there to be a single unification fight at 147. I don't, I don't want to see Spence Ugas now. I don't want to see Spence Crawford, although I can't stop Spence Ugas. I don't want to see these fights, and there's a very good reason why. When the belts are finally unified in an undisputed fight, be it Spence or Ugas versus Crawford, at this moment, you, I really don't know who. I wouldn't be surprised if it's Ugas. So, you know, I'm going to be either very right or very wrong on Sunday. But whoever wins that, in fact, I think both people who fight for that will move to 154. Because then there's nothing left. They fought everyone they had to fight. And when that happens, the balls will get scattered. And here's where it gets problematic. You know Hearn is already angling for Conor Ben to do the WBA route. That's, that's his friendliest governing body. And it seems like an easy route for him to navigate this Van Heerden thing. This Van Heerden thing looks like being a, a way to get him into either number two or number three ranking with the WBA. With, I think it's Butaev and Stanionis about to sort of duke it out for, you know, who's going to be the main man to challenge. So if the belts go vacant, it'll be the winner of that fight versus Conor Ben, I imagine. And that will be the angle. So you imagine Conor Ben would have fought for a world title having fought nobody that we rate. I repeat that. Having fought nobody that we rate. Yeah. We are still not sure Conor Ben's the best 147 in his own country. Like, we're not even sure he's the best 147 in his region. Not an area belt. Not an English belt. Not a British belt. Not a Commonwealth belt. Nothing. Nothing to tell us where he's really at. And this kind of gerrymandering the process and manufacturing championships isn't what we should, we should be supporting. Because now, now, now run it through. When the belts scatter, the WBO is most likely to be a Josh Taylor versus McKinson fight. That, I imagine that's what Bob will pull for. Just based on relationships. The IBF. I see that going to Virgil Ortiz Jr. if he can win whatever fight he's put in. The WBA will be the winner of Conor Ben versus winner Butaya versus Stanionis. And I can see them just moving Jerome Ennis through the WBC route. Most prestigious belt means that he can call the shots. And it's a natural Al Heyman lineage from um, Errol Spence down to Jerome Ennis. Now, if... If the people we think are going to get those belts, get those belts. I'm going to ask you a question. What are the odds, do you think, of Conor Ben trying to unify? You know he's not... There'll be no talk of that. The price will be too high. The terms will be ridiculous. And we'll end up back where we started without the big fights being made. And Conor Ben will just make defense after defense of that WBA belt. And only at that point when he start talking about fighting... British guys, I'll fight Kel Brook now, I'll fight Amir Khan now. It, they'll even try and dig Pacquiao out. I can see that happening too. And so, we need to stop this. And we need to stop supporting the promoters who do this because 
this is bad for this damages the credibility of boxing because if you're to rank your top 10 welterweights right now i don't think conor ben's in that list and he's definitely not in there on merit it's because you're a fan of his or a fan of his dad's and so in this interview when he's saying he doesn't have to fight david avanessian yes you do if lamont peterson had to you definitely have to do you know what I mean? If Josh Kelly had to, you definitely have to. And you're going to sit there fighting Chris Washed Up Van Heerden, who got slapped about by Conor McGregor, and you're going to tell us you're on a different path. You're on a road to nowhere. I sold out 6,000. Hmm, yeah. We're, used to, we're just used to the lies now. We're jaded by the lies. You know, we are jaded by the lies because nothing that comes out of that match from camp is ever true. But they know as long as they've got that diehard bunch of fundamentalists that believe any and everything that comes out of Matchroom, they can never lose. But no one ever asks these tough questions. I don't see people asking, when are you going to fight someone serious, Connor? I'd love to see O'Hara Davis move up to 147 and say, yeah, let's finish what we started. But I don't see that happening either. And so the most cringeworthy part of all of this has been the sort of zone coverage. The broadcaster that's been complicit in, in the sham of a career. The broadcaster that's about to be complicit in the sham of a career that will be Campbell Hatton. Has the cheek to say who's going to have the better career, Virgil Ortiz Jr., Jerome Ennis or Conor Ben. And you're like, even if Jerome Ennis retired now, I suspect he'd have a better career than Conor Ben. Sad but true. Just, ah, oh man. That's how, that's how I feel right now. Just, then you got Addy, green sofa Addy, or green chair, whatever he wants to call it, man. Like, you know, recycled chair Addy. Putting up the pole as well because his boss has told him to. And you remember there was a time before he was desperate to get on and he actually would express his true opinions. But look, I'm never going to be mad at someone that takes the king's shilling. As long as it pays his bills and his mortgage, cool. Because I don't pay his bills, nor would I want to. But it's, it's sad to see that someone's trying to play both sides in this. I just genuinely think once you become corporate, you can't then come back onto the other side and start talking about, you know, you have opinions as a fan who cares about the sport. Because you're part of the, the destruction of the sport. And I'm not really feeling that right now. Like... We all need to start holding these, these guys accountable because in their cozy little world where it's free hotel rooms and per diems and whatnot, they're, they're, not, they're not telling the truth and they're not holding people accountable for this nonsense. And, and that, that, that's how I feel. At a time where you've got a fight like Errol Spence Jr. versus Jordanus Ugas, a real fight, a big fight, a big event, and for me, that the, the energy around this is stronger than for any of Canelo's fights. And, you know, you've got to start saying, is Spence one of the top three stars if he wins this? Yeah, him and Crawford are up there. But we're in a declining sport. And this is what I think is going to do for Matchroom. If they genuinely think they can do with Campbell Hatton what they did with Conor Ben, I think they'll be surprisingly disappointed. Because talk to most kids Campbell Hatton's age, they don't care about Ricky Hatton. They don't even care that Ricky Hatton was once a champion. They don't know who Ricky Hatton is. A lot of these kids don't know who Conor Ben is. They don't know who Nigel Ben is. 
the world's moved on. That's why Jake Paul can make money. And he makes more money than any of these guys. Because the youngsters know who he is. You know, he's culturally relevant. Boxing's not culturally relevant. We're super niche right now. I don't even know if that will change. But we're super niche. As fans, we're super niche. And that's why no one really makes any money in boxing. And to bring it all the way back to where we started before I close off. Because no one makes any money, we're always ripe for someone with money arriving on their white charger and just doing whatever they want with the sport and we just bend over and take it. <laughs>